Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. And I'm so excited to tell you about our brand new in-depth Bible study academy. Have you always wished you knew how to study the Bible for yourself, but you don't have time to go to Bible college? Well, join us this year as we adventure through 12 different courses designed to give you the background and the tools to study the Bible for yourselves. You can find out more information about that at our website at coffeeandbibletime.com. Well, I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about preparing our hearts to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus through the observance of Lent. And as we begin this Lenten season, what comes to your mind? I know for many Christians, Lent might seem like an old ritual that's maybe out of touch with our modern day lives or a practice that's reserved for the high church denominations. But our guest today, Aaron Damiani, author of the book, The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent, is here to share with us the importance of preparing for Easter through the practice of Lent and why this observance is intended for all Christians. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Mentor Mama here. At Coffee and Bible Time, we recommend you introduce Jesus to your kids as early as possible. That's why we're partnering with the Talking Jesus doll. The Talking Jesus doll is so cute and made of the softest, snuggliest material. And you guessed it, he talks. When you squeeze his hand, he speaks 10 phrases that Jesus said in the Bible, from the Lord's Prayer to John 3.16 and everything in between. It's so important to introduce children to the love and lessons of Jesus in their formative years. I love this product and so does everyone else. The Talking Jesus doll is loved by families on four continents and has hundreds of five-star amazing reviews. Kids are learning Bible verses and even using the doll to minister to others. So if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, or nephews, this is the perfect birthday, Easter, or Christmas gift. Go to JesusDoll.com and use promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. That's JesusDoll.com, promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. Aaron Damiani serves as lead pastor of Emmanuel Anglican Church in Chicago and, as I mentioned earlier, is the author of The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent. He is also the author of Earth Filled with Heaven, Finding Life in Liturgy, Sacraments, and Other Ancient Practices of the Church. Aaron writes and speaks regularly about spiritual formation, leadership, 
and recovering the gifts of the ancient church for today's challenges. Aaron and his wife, Laura, live with their four kids in Chicago's Irving Park neighborhood. Please welcome Aaron. Thanks for having me, Mentor Mama. It's good to be here. I'm so glad to have you back again, actually. And you're like just such a great person to be talking about this topic of Lent. Um, the depth of you know your knowledge about this practice in this book. I'm just I'm so excited to talk about it today because we all have various perceptions of what Lent is and how we should respond to it. So why don't we just start out with <laughs> what exactly is Lent and why should all Christians practice it? Lent is a 40-day spiritual adventure. It's a 40-day period of preparation for a, one of the greatest celebrations we ever could have as, as the people of God, which is the celebration that Jesus Christ is alive, that he rose from the dead. He's making all things new. So why not spend 40 days uh, of our life each year to get ourselves ready for that celebration? And one of the reasons that it's important or you know, really helpful for all Christians to celebrate it is that you know when we look back on church history, we see that Lent was a very effective, powerful way to bind Christians together in preparation for Easter, but also bind them more closely with Jesus. So Lent's actually very relational. And, you know, our faith is, is pretty relational as well. We, we're not individuals and we can't do this alone. And the, there's like three classic disciplines of Lent. It's prayer, fasting, and, and financial generosity, sometimes known as almsgiving. That what those, what those three practices do, especially when they're done, you know, with humility and repentance, is that they bring us closer to Jesus and they bring us closer to his people. And that's the way it's supposed to be, I believe, on our way to to Easter and on our way to 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 heaven and and the new earth. Yeah, you know, I loved in your book where you talk about entering the wilderness, and mm -hmm. you kind of draw it back to um, giving us the example of of the Exodus. Can you just maybe give a little bit of this history? I found it so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things we see in the life of Jesus is that after he receives the blessing of his father and in his baptism, his father says, you know, you're my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. Well, then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness for those 40 days of, 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 fasting, which by the way, <laughs> Lent is not 40 straight days of all fasting. Mm -hmm. It's it's like moments of fasting within, within the period. Um, but what Jesus is doing is he is showing us what, um, what it looks like for us to really enter the Father's love, where we're cutting off distractions, where we are weaning ourselves off of the, the false pleasures and promises of the world, and where we can fully enter into the the promises and the love that Father has for us, and um, and own those. Um, and one of the things you see as Jesus comes out of the wilderness is that He is so full of the Father's love and power um, that it's just leaking off of Him. People are getting healed. He's preaching with the power of the Spirit. He's drawing the disciples to Himself. 
And um, that's really going to prepare him for his ministry. Well, you know, we see uh, what we see uh, early Christians doing is something very similar, is they're entering a wilderness, as it were, um, really detoxing from the uh, the threats, promises, and perils of the Roman Empire, and um, then moving out into the Roman Empire with the power of the Spirit and the hope of the resurrection. Uh, this is something that, you know, early, you know, Elijah did, Moses did, and uh, and now we have the opportunity to do as well. Yeah. And I love how you point out that we can't prepare for Easter over the weekend. Yes. Yes. Um, We need to walk a longer pilgrimage to get ready. And I thought that that was something maybe that a lot of people haven't, you know, necessarily given a lot of thought to. Well, why do you think the practice of Lent is of increasing interest to Christians of all denominations and particularly among millennials and younger pastors. One thing that people have been saying more and more and hearing a lot is people feel cut off from their heart. that sometimes we, we hear some truths about, about the gospel, about, about Jesus, but we don't feel those truths working their way into our life that they're kind of an idea, but it's in our heads and the, it hasn't sunk down deep. And part of the reason I think is because people feel really numb. People feel really numbed out from the stress of life, as well as from, in some ways, the attachments of life, the the relationship that we have with food, uh, with entertainment, with alcohol, with, with our phones. I, and I don't speak judgment on anyone. I, I deal with this myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a longing, a growing longing for people to have a non-mediated uh, connection with Jesus that's really tangible, that that involves the body, that involves the heart, that involves, yes, the head, the truths, but for all of it to work together in a really tangible way. And there's something about the ancient paths that do that do offer some, some uh, stability and that offer some also some connection to the people who have come before and people from around the world as well. I think there's a growing desire to connect with, you know, let's, can we be in connection with the global church as well? So some of, for some of these reasons, the simple and an ancient way of Lent is, is I think there's a growing appeal and interest in it. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, 
I loved how you talked about binding ourselves to Christ. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. We're looking, we have this yearning mm-hmm. to to bind ourselves to Christ in this process. Um, you said it was simply a gentle harness that yoked the fledgling church to Jesus Christ back in the early church. And the the practices that you just described are, are ways that we can start to to experience the same thing. Well, you describe um, the key disciplines as fasting, prayer, and generosity. Maybe give us um, a little bit more insight into each of those. Sure. So one thing that uh, we talk about with fasting is there's kind of two different types of fasting. One is the classic way where you're going to go without food. You're going to maybe have enough nourishment to sustain energy, but not enough to satisfy hunger. So uh, for instance, you know, you might skip a meal a week or a, a one 24 hour period without, without regular meals every week as a, as an example of what some, some people can do. Um, you, you're still drinking coffee. Maybe you're drinking chicken broth or something like that to sustain energy juices to sustain, you know, people can do all kinds of things to, to, to make accommodations for their specific medical condition or need. Um, but you're, but you're going to really cut back on just that feeling that we have after a meal of like, yes, I feel satisfied. (laughs) I feel good. I feel energized. Um, and that is one classic way of, of, of preparing or of practicing fasting. Another way is to ask the Lord to show you a specific food or drink that he wants you to just go without for the whole season. So maybe it's alcohol. I think for a lot of people, that's a good place to start or desserts. Um, I think my first ever Lenten fast, a mentor mama was chocolate. (laughs) It was just like, it wasn't very much, I was, but it was tough, you know? And and I realized, Oh, I, I think I'm attached to chocolate in a way that's disordered. And so um, there's, there's the, you know, there's the, the, the fasting from food, but then there's also the, the, the specific items, meat, some people do meat or even things that were associated with feasting, like, like oils and butters and, and things that are make food taste good, <laughs> um, that we're, we're going, you know what, Lord, I don't have to have this. Um, you are the one thing that I have to have. So, um, and, and God bless them. Some people do coffee. Uh, I think I did coffee one year and now that I've got four kids, you know, I just say, I just, I think I want, I want to be kinder to them. Um, so, um, that's a little bit of, uh, about fasting. One extra thing I'll, I'll, I'll throw in there since this is such an important part of it is just technology that there may be some some ways that we have uh, adopted entertainment or, or connection to our devices that could be scaled back as well. Um, that's, that's a, uh, that's one important part of fasting. Mm -hmm. As it relates to prayer. One thing I love about prayer in Lent is that you can actually begin to look for ways to pray with other people, even if it's over zoom. Um, at the very least we're, we're looking for a way to maybe re-engage church. If we've dropped out of uh, attending 
church, Lent is a time for us to see this as an opportunity to um, revive our prayer life by reviving our worship life. And I, we were so individualistic and cut off in America from other people when we're praying that that's a really important part of our prayer life is just being in church. And then I also find it helpful to just pause at least once a day, um, yeah, if possible, a couple times or three times a day, not where you're doing a full-on quiet time, which I love to do, but where you're pausing in the presence of God and you're just remembering that he's taking care of you. And thinking of it as a as a pulse, you know, the the heartbeat of prayer just continues, just uh, uh, one beat at a time, one breath at a time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, almsgiving is interesting. I think this is one of the ways that Lent connects us with um, with other people, and it, it also combines prayer with with love for love of neighbor, love of God with prayer, love of neighbor with almsgiving. It begins with just our time and attentiveness. Maybe part of our prayer life is, Lord, would you show me people in my community that I can love? Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of friends. They they keep what's called a neighbor fund. They have like a little envelope on their fridge. And they'll, during Lent, they'll put money in there that they're not spending on themselves. You know, like, hey, we're not going to be picking up a bottle of wine from Trader Joe's tonight. Let's put that money in the neighbor fund. And then as the spirit leads them, they will notice people who like, Hey, let's get them a gift card for, you know, for groceries. Let's, let's buy them gas. Let's have them over for dinner and, uh, and spread a feast for them. And they find that that's, that's one way of being generous during Lent for, for our church. One of the things we do is we ask, uh, the congregation for ideas for areas around the world that need some gospel hope and some gospel relief. So last year we ended up giving, money to uh, Ukraine relief. And we asked everyone to be really generous, you know, save your money during Lent. And then on Good Friday, we'll all collect it and we'll send it to Ukraine with our prayers and uh, and and give money towards food, medical supplies, schooling, uh, you know, care for little kids. So uh, there's a lot of different creative ways that we can be generous with our money. I think it does start with like an opening of our heart and opening of our time. And then money can flow into um, the, the, you know, the opportunities that the Lord shows us. When you tie these three things together, you know, you're fasting, you're, you're, you're praying with greater intention, and then you're, uh, you're giving your money away, but all of this is done. Actually, Uh, they're not separate. They're all pointing in the same direction. And that direction is go growing closer to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and really preparing my soul for, for that joyous celebration of Easter. Mm. Yes. So each of those fasting prayer and generosity, would you encourage people like it, it all starts on Ash Wednesday, correct? Mm-hmm. Where people um, can usually go to a service and mm-hmm. kind of commit these next 40 days to these activities that can help us grow closer to Christ. Do you have any um, suggestions on how to put this into practice so that we can be intentional? Mm. Yes. Well, yeah, actually, so here are three questions to ask yourself 
to prepare for for Lent. And you're, if you're listening to this during Lent, it's it's a perfect time to get started. There's no there's no um, you know requirement that it has to start on Ash Wednesday, even though that is the the, the common practice. You can start any time. So here, here are a few questions. The first question is like, how is Jesus inviting me? What's his invitation to me to, to become like him this Lent? And just open up the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, or the Fruits of the Spirit list in Galatians 5, and uh, or any part of scripture that gives a vision of, of who we are in Christ. And just say, Lord, what's one thing that you want to form in me this year? Maybe it's gentleness, maybe it's patience, maybe it's greater love, maybe it's just being closer to you. Um, and then the second question is, um, you know, do I want that or not? What part of me says yes to that invitation to, of Jesus? And what part of me says no? Just be honest about both of those things. Mm. Because I have both of those in me. I There's a part of me mentor mama that wants to do Lent. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to do Lent. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that does not like that. I really don't like fasting because it slows me down. It's humbling. It, it, mm. it, uh, it really does. You know, the Lord's yoke is humble and gentle and eat and, uh, his burden is light. And there's a part of me that doesn't like that because I, I like, I like powerful yokes. Um, but his yoke is humble. And so there's a part of me that says no, part of me that says yes, admit both of those things to him. And then and then ask him for just one, one, one way in each of these areas. What's one way I can fast? What's one way I can pray? Maybe it's a at noon, I'm gonna pause during the during the 40 days of Lent. I'm just gonna pause with a psalm for five minutes in the presence of God. Uh, or maybe it's I'm going to pray once a week with two other Christians that are seeking to also prepare for Easter. Um, and then what's one way that I can be financially generous, or maybe I'm just going to save it and ask for the Lord to, to guide and lead, or I'm going to give extra to my local church, or I'm going to give extra to a, um, a you know, a, a global Christian relief, give to the persecuted church, open doors, USA. Um, and uh, just kind of keep it small, keep it scalable. But the, the the huge part of it is that you're offering all of that up to Jesus. And he really receives that as a, you know, he says, thank you. And he'll use it. He will use it. Um, so, um, and then I think one thing that comes up in all of this is there's just something behind the attachments that we can confess, you know? Mm, yes. I, there's something behind those attachments. There's um, sometimes there's pride, you know, spiritual pride. It can be so pernicious. Sometimes it's uh, that um, we have, there's some, there's a part of our life we really don't trust God with. Maybe it's a vice, a habit, something that is not follow, not, does not come under the Lordship of Christ. I find that the further you get towards Easter, like with each week, you know, because it's like, you know, it's about yeah, six weeks and change to to get from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Mentor Mama, I have to say, there's stuff that comes up each year for me to repent of. Mm. And I see this, the Lord moves in Lent, especially as you get closer to that final week of Lent, Palm Sunday and 
and um, and the foot washing service if you have that on Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and and the purpose of those things coming up is actually to bring us freedom. So I would just say, be open to the Lord convicting of sin, not for its own sake, but so because he wants to bring you freedom during Lent and there's going to be a spiritual struggle and that's okay. That's part of, that's part of the Christian life. He's going to allow there to be a wrestling and a battling and he wants your heart in this. And that part of the celebration of Easter Sunday is that he's won the victory. And final thing I'll say in this is just, I, you know, my one of my first, the first time I ever practiced Lent, the Lord really had to deal with my own um, doubt, my own intellectual doubts around Christianity. And those were really beginning to culminate. And I really felt the struggle the most intensely during the Easter vigil that year. Wow. And to the point where I couldn't even worship. Mm-hmm. And someone came over and prayed for me and said, you know, I, I, um, I'm just hearing the word doubt for you is that maybe something the Lord has, uh, he wants to deliver you from that. He wants to help you with that. And as he prayed for me, I, I felt something lift mm. and it was just a turning point in my journey with Jesus. And, mm. and that really did allow me to worship with joy and, and, and release. And because that's, that's what Jesus does. He's alive. He's on the move and he is changing us from the inside out. Ah, that's that's such a beautiful story. In fact, my next question was going to be: Do you have any testimonies of people who have gone through this? And that's that's a beautiful one. Um, just yourself. Well, thank you. Well, what do you think is the most common mistake that Christians make when practicing Lent? You know, I think one mistake is I, I think getting getting fixated and hung up on what are you going to give up this year? Mm-hmm. Kind of starting with that question, ending with that question. Um, because if we if we if we uh, give something up out of a sense of guilt, if we do it out of a sense of of, of superiority, what's going to happen is that's only going to breed um, the it's only going to breed pride. It's only going to breed shame. It's only going to breed discouragement, um, a, a, a failure or, or, or success model and paradigm. And I think that's the wrong approach and it's definitely not sustainable. I, one way around that is to, is to actually begin with surrender. And, And that's where the question of Jesus, you know, Hey, look, I, I, I'm yours, or at least I want to be yours. So, and I want to be closer to you this Lent. What's keeping me and what's, what's standing in between us. Can you put your finger on it for me? And maybe you bring in, maybe you bring in someone that you really trust and respect on this too. Uh, a small group leader, a, a spiritual friend, a pastor has been like, I, I do want the Lord to show me what's what's standing in between us. I think that's the way around it because then it's more relational, right? It's less about me performing for relationship. It's more about starting with the fact that Jesus wants to be close to me and there's a part of me that wants to be close to him. There's a part of me that doesn't, let's be honest, but it's about closeness. It's about relationship. And then he can help you. Like he can help you with the... Um, the struggle with yeah. that particular attachment and he can help you pray when you don't feel like it. And he can help you when you have 
headaches from <laughs> from, from giving up no coffee, caffeine. God bless you, right? Or whatever it is that you're, you know, the the um, the lacking brain power or 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 being low energy when you're when you're fasting, and he can help you when you feel financially limited because of how generous you're being, and 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 ultimately what he's doing is he's just drawing near and love to you, and he's walking with you, and uh, he always will. So I think that's the way through the. That's the way around the, the the mistake of starting with, well, what am I going to give up? Let's start with Jesus yeah. instead. Mm-hmm. So in our weakness, we see his strength for sure. I know one thing that um, one of our former pastors had told us um, as he gave a sermon on fasting one time for us was that if when you're going through a period of, let's say you are fasting from chocolate, as you mentioned, and we have like a little cabinet with <laughs> chocolate in it. But yeah. like as you're as you know you want to have that, that's mm-hmm. when you remind yourself, like you turn your attention to mm-hmm. the Lord and just ask mm-hmm. for his help. But it in it and I remember just so vividly that that was a time where I did feel so closely connected because the thing that you were connected to, you can't be Mm -hmm. anymore. And it does sort of re, you know, if you can refocus Mm -hmm. on why you're doing it and yes, it it really is so effective. Mm. Well, you say in your book that Lent is not a hunger strike. (laughs) Tell us what you mean by that. The hunger strike image is from prisons where if you're a prisoner, one of the few powers that you have is to not eat food. Because if you don't eat food, you can die, then that becomes a problem for the prison warden. So what you do is you don't eat food as a way to advance your cause, to get the prison warden's attention, and to you basically control your environment a little bit and control your circumstances a little bit. Sometimes as you look at church history, you can see just the temptation that people have had of approaching fasting as a type of hunger strike where we're going to sort of make demands on God. We're going to get his attention. We're going to get his, we're going to really work up a rain dance here by not eating food. And he has to pay attention to us and and answer our prayer. And uh, what happens if we have a hunger strike model is that we're going to have a bit of a mercenary relationship with God. We're going to see him as someone who has to be manipulated in order to answer our prayers. And that's just not God's heart. And that's not the way he, he doesn't respond to that. (laughs) He doesn't respond to demands. I think he responds to, he's a father, right? So he, we're his, we're his daughters, we're his sons. He loves to listen to us, is more than ready to hear our prayer through Jesus. And we should approach him boldly through grace. And, um, and yet also, you know, approach him like a child would approach a a parent with, with the boldness that comes from knowing that you're blessed and knowing that you're loved. So, um, you know, I think one thing that Christians react to is just seeing like the way that, uh, fasting has been carried out with a burdensome sense of, um, almost like physical matter is bad. My body and my hunger is bad. And, and less of that sense of 
we're blessed. And actually one of the ways of entering into that blessing is by mastering our appetites. Our appetites are good, but they're not intended to be in charge. Um, and so we're going to we're going to bring them under the reign of Jesus, but not we're not going to say that food's bad. I mean, chocolate is a, one of the most amazing treasures in human civilization. And I'm convinced <laughs> yes. that it's going to be part of the new creation. Um, and so, uh, and yet sometimes our, our relationship with chocolate or, or other parts of creation just needs to be reordered. Mm-hmm. So that's where the hunger strike model doesn't serve us well. Um, but, but feasting on their father's love, boy, that works a lot better. Yeah. And it, it almost sounds like a shift in control, right? If you're mm-hmm. doing the hunger strike, you're in control, trying to control yeah. God. And then yeah. if you're going the other way, mm-hmm. um, you're letting mm-hmm. go of that. Yes, yes. It's so subtle, but it, it makes a difference when you, <laughs> and it's like spiritual formation as surrender, you know, mm-hmm. and like yes. losing control. I'm not in, I'm not driving the sh- the car between Ash Wednesday and Easter, you know? I, but I'm, but I am in the car and Jesus is driving it and I'm surrendered to that. And he's going to take me through some valleys and he's going to take me through some peaks and, and he's driving and, he, and, and I'm following, he's leading. I'm following. Yeah. You got me thinking of the Carrie Underwood, Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's it. It's like another application of that lyric. I love that. Well, let's talk about how we can do this together with mm-hmm. our families and churches. Mm, yes. So um, this is, uh, you know, more more on the leadership level of, of like invitations. I think one thing I've realized as a pastor, as a dad, is that, you know, people don't like to be pressured into, into a practice, but um, they really do appreciate invitations. You know, would you like to try this? Would you, would you be interested? And especially when our kids or our, or a small group or a church sees us practicing it on our own. And they're seeing, they're watching how we're responding to it. And, and you know, you never know who the Lord will, will tap on the shoulder and say, Hey, um, I want you to join this as well. So the approach I find as a dad and as a pastor is if I can invite and make space for, but not, not force that ends up, I think, usually bearing results as well. So, and as kids get older, so when I when I I, I wrote the book, my kids are a little younger. Now most of them are teenagers, and so my approach has changed a little bit. Whereas before, what Laura and I were doing was we were setting some expectations, and 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 we were trying to make them age appropriate. And now I think what we're going to do is to make it more conversational with our kids, what, you know, are you interested in practicing Lent this year? What, what's, uh, what's the Lord doing in your life and, um, how can we support that? Um, and it could be that we, if, if there's one thing that every, most everyone is giving up, we'll, you know, we'll probably either hide it or get rid of it or only bring it out on Sundays, which are the, you know, classic feast days in Lent. Um, and then with church, um, one of the things that we can do as a church is just as as people are available, make space for people to pray together. Because what that does is that's just so motivational for us to share what we're doing in Lent and also 
to pray for one another, to say, hey, here's the vision that God gave me for Lent. Here's one way that I want to grow in him. Would you pray for me in this? And let's pray and I'll pray for you. And we'll maybe we'll study the same scripture together. We'll 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 study Isaiah 58, you know, about how how love of neighbor and love of God work together. Or we'll go through a book together and um and just make it make it as communal as possible. For our church, you know, we we uh we change our our colors from green to purple, and the purple representing repentance, uh, you know. as I lead the service, I'll make more space for people to confess their sins silently, but also sometimes what we've done is give people training and how to hear and make a confession, um, which uh, I I turned into a chapter in in the good of giving up. So people, you know, people anywhere can, can learn how do I, how do I, um, you know, confess my sins during Lent? Cause you know, we'll probably be more aware of them in Lent than, than other seasons. So there's a few different ways um, to to enter in. There's no formula, but there's a there is an invitation that we can give to that we can respond to, but also that we can extend to people that we have influence in. Yeah, I love the, the this idea of doing it together as a group. And I was just thinking of like small groups, like we're in a small mm-hmm. group, and that that would be a really great setting to be able mm-hmm. to talk about it. Um, with, you know, people that know you and you, you can trust with, you know, information that maybe it, cause it could be really hard Mm -hmm. for some people to give give up certain things. And well, as we start to wrap things up here, Lent, it, you know, is kind of potentially for some people may be seen as just taking on one more thing they have to do and they're already busy and stressed out. Yeah. So what would you suggest um, that the season of Lent has to offer for those people? I would say um, that what the season of Lent does is it promises at least some measure of actually more simplicity. And there are some things when, when I'm stressed and busy, one of the things that I find, and, I, and I'm not speaking for other people, but just for myself, is that often there's some kind of burden I've taken on that I don't need, that I was not intended, the Lord did not intend for me to take on that burden, or there's a commitment that um, that I have that is is not from him. And, and actually, in some cases, there's a way to to let go. Like there's a way to, in some ways, spring cleaning, clean house. Are there any commitments that I have that are, that are really burdening me, even if they're intangible commitments? Like I have to, this project has to be an A plus, uh, or my kids have to be involved in X, Y, Z projects and, uh, and, you know, extracurriculars or whatever it might be. It might, and it might actually be that Lent is a time to scale some of that back, um, and and actually to make to make more space. Um, I, I find that it is it's a simplifying season rather than a, a season that brings more complexity. Um, now, it doesn't mean that it's easy, uh, but um, I think the promise would be that by the time you hit, so what is it now, February, mid February, by the time April beginning of April rolls around, something's going to be ha- have happened um, that uh, 
that means that our lives are more peaceful and simple, even if um, even if uh, we're we've not let go of our responsibilities, but we've made more space for God. Excellent. Yeah, that's sometimes when we think we're taking on more. If this is something that you're going to take on, that's actually going to relieve you, and mm-hmm. as you said earlier, give you freedom that you probably haven't experienced before. Yes. Well, Erin, how can people find out more information about you and your mm-hmm. two books? Yes, yes. Well, um, they can go to uh, our church's website, emmanuelanglican.org. Uh, most of my sermons are uploaded there. If you want to learn more about Lent, you can go to emmanuelanglican.org slash Lent. That's Emmanuel with an I and two M's. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, I, I have a, a Facebook page as well. My Twitter is Aaron Damiani, and there you can find uh, uh, my my links and um, uh, a link to the book and and uh, some tweets for me on occasion. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we will make sure we put all of those links in our show notes. We will also link the other podcast that we did. Uh, with you earlier, or I should say later last year. So uh, I think people would love to listen to that one as well. Well, before we go, I want to ask you three different questions that I asked you from the last time. Yes. Let's start with what's the latest Christian book that you have read? Yes. Well, right now I've I've been reading uh, this book, Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. And it's a, a meditative, reflective take on the the parable of of uh, the two lost sons and the father who welcomed the one of them home and invited the other one back in. I've been preparing a men's retreat on on this and um, reflecting a lot about blessing. What does it mean to receive the father's blessing? How important that is, and also how we as men can grow up into the types of men who can bless others. I think that's a huge role that we have as men is to grow into the kinds of men who are blessing others, yes. blessing the world and imparting the father's love to them. And so I've been encouraged by this book, by this book, as I've been preparing for that teaching and highly recommend it. It's a very encouraging book. Oh, excellent. Okay. We'll share the link in our show notes. How about, tell us a little bit about what does your quiet time look like? Right now, uh, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm going through the Gospel of Matthew s- just slowly. And around breakfast time, I'll, um, I'll around coffee time, it's coffee and Bible time Yay! for me. <laughs> um, and um, just slowly um, meditate on the, the biography of Jesus and, and let, let, it, let it speak to me, let it, let it nourish me, let it challenge me. And I do have a journal as well. Sometimes what I'll do is I will journal out uh, my my prayer, my thoughts, my feelings. I'll be as honest as I can, what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through. And, and I'll just find that the word of God has something to speak to me, to the questions that I'm asking and to the, you know, to the things that are on my heart. Um, and I also recently reconnected with an old college prof, one of my pastoral studies professors at Moody. Um, he is, uh, he's not at Moody anymore, but he was a speaker at a, his name's Harry Shields. He was a speaker 
at a camp I was at. And we were talking about intercession and how intentional he's become mm -hmm. with his intercessory life. And so I decided to kind of use his system with intercession and kind of make a grid of days of the week and then categories like my kids, you know, my church uh, and uh, friends that I have and uh, needs of the world. And just a simple, just a simple list, a simple grid that I, that I try to go through on those days, praying for uh, church, family, world, neighborhood, and um, just spend some time there as well. So that's a little bit of what I'm doing right now. And wow. um, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I know when Ashley and Taylor went to to Moody, one of the things that they stressed so much, and I'm sure you can relate to this as a pastor, just that even though you are studying the Bible every day, you know, mm -hmm. to learn it really still to have, if you can dedicate even a small amount of quiet mm -hmm. time to really um, dedicate it to prayer and yeah. what you're studying in scripture and it's just still so important <laughs> very important it's very important it's very important you got to keep we got to keep hold of our own hearts um so that we're not giving away you know something that we don't have ourselves yeah yeah okay last one what's your favorite christian musical group i'd say one of my favorites is keith and Kristen getty uh they uh i just i just love the fact that they are really cranking out the hymns <laughs> <laughs> I love this revival of hymns yeah. and they're good. They're rich hymns. The other thing I really love about their music is that not only is that aesthetically pleasing, you know, it gets you, makes you want to sing, but also just the community of artists that they have uh, drawn into their creative projects. And they've, they've, they've actually platformed some wonderful uh, godly creators who are bringing in, you know, rich theology as as well as a beautiful aesthetic. So I, I kind of listened to everything they put out. Mm -hmm. um, I've also really loved Fred Hammond. Um, he actually got me through the pandemic because he just got so much worship energy and humor ah. and joy. And, and so um, he's, he's, he's top, top of the list as well. Oh, well, we will include links to both of those. Aaron, it's so nice to get to know you even a little bit more. We Likewise. Thank you so much for spending time with us and just helping all of our listeners here. I hope that you feel encouraged that you can start this season of Lent that will just draw you closer to our beautiful Savior. So we thank you, Aaron, for being here. For our listeners, pick up a copy of Aaron's book, The Good of Giving Up. You'll find the link in our show notes. And lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.